Hey y'all. And welcome back to bless you, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories and we get to dish on them. I'm Callie and I've missed you guys. And I'm here with my co-host Elise. Hi, I missed everybody too. Uh, I miss doing this every week. Yeah, we took took a little breather. We were going to record one before the holidays and then the holidays, you know, are going to be the holidays. So we, uh, got sidetracked and decided, nope, never mind. (laughs) We took a little break. We are back. And so today's going to be a little different. So I know we keep telling y'all like details, 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 right? As in novels, we don't mind it, but some of you don't follow directions, which is fine. Uh, we <laughs> love you anyway. And so we were getting these like short one-off questions. And I was like, I don't really know if this could like take up a full episode. So we decided to do kind of a rapid fire style today. So we've got a bunch of questions and we'll kind of just keep going through them until I don't know. We tire out, poop out, if you will, uh, or the episode, you know, gets too long and then we'll cut it shorter, but, uh, we've got a few of these, so we might do, this won't be the only rapid fire episode we do. Um, it's not going to be one of those where we give one word answers. <laughs> we, we like to talk. Uh, we use 10 words when one will do. So we will still elaborate, uh, in our answers, but we'll just have multiple topics today. Which is so exciting. I feel like maybe someone will resonate with all of them. Yeah, that would be cool. Maybe the jackpot. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Okay, so Elise, tell me your sparkle. And for those of you who are new, sparkles are a way for y'all to get to know us, but it's also kind of like a lesson that we've learned this week that we want to share with you guys. Um, And so sometimes we don't follow our own instructions and a sparkle is just whatever's on our mind. But ideally it's like something that we've discovered this week that we want to share with you guys that might help your lives as well. Yes. Okay. I'm super pumped about mine. Um, As you guys know, Callie talks about pickleball all the time. Um, Callie came to Texas. Oh, that was so fun. And we got to hang out, which is always just the best. Um, and she introduced me to pickleball and I should give a little background story. I was never like athletic growing up. Like I, that was very much like I was the smart kid. Like I tried out for all the teams thinking like with all the confidence in the world, like, Oh yeah, fuck. Yeah. I'm going to like make, you know, the team like a team volleyball and like track and all these things. And I did not make them. I was a dancer, which I think counts as a sport, but my little, like, it's not the same though. It's it's really not the same. Uh, Elise and I were on the same dance team in high school. It's just, we didn't overlap because one (laughs) of us is older than the other, but I, I don't feel, I'm not trying to say dancers aren't athletic. It's just not a sport. It's different. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but I always tried out for sports and I like went in with the utmost confidence and my little like athletic confidence just like dwindled. I was on Saturday team volleyball. Okay. Like Saturday team volleyball, isn't even a team. You don't even have fucking jerseys. You just have t-shirts. And like, my mom was the organizer. So like, and I was the captain. So that tells you a little bit about my sports history. Um, and so I was always discouraged and, we played pickleball and I was actually pretty good. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like hardcore ping pong. 
Yes. I, the, the reason why I like pickleball is it's so accessible. The, the barrier to entry is low as hell. And I'm not trying to dog you at least and be like, <laughs> that's why you were good. But for me too, I wasn't an athlete growing up. I mean, I was decent at basketball and volleyball, but once it got to the point where people started getting really competitive and really good. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm okay. One does not look like the other here. Like I can hang, but I can't like make a life out of this. And so pickleball was great because again, it's, it's pretty easy to just pick up and anyone can, well, not anyone, but most people can jump in and get a game going and not feel like they're in like a total embarrassment. I will say it's hard to get good. I've started playing with pros now, like literal pros who play in nationals and are so good. And I'm like, oh yeah, I thought I was good. I, okay. Y'all are actually really, really good. But does that really matter? I mean, who the hell is going to play with pros on a weekend? Like most people just have a rec play. And you know what? I thought about this actually a lot this week, which is weird that you bring that up. Like people aren't born as pros. Well, some people are. I mean, I definitely think that there's like people who are just like born with natural talent that are you know don't even they just like try and they're fucking awesome at it but pro like I'm sure those people all started in the beginning at some point yeah most of them are ex-tennis players so they definitely have a leg up and I've been playing with what I call bangers they're tennis players and they just bang that ball uh but you know someone told me that uh tennis is to checkers as pickleball is to chess It is such a game of strategy and that's what makes it fun. And so it's really good for your brain because when I play, I'm thinking about what kind of shot I'm going to do. I'm thinking about where I'm going to place the ball. I'm thinking how hard I'm going to hit the ball. Like it is a game of strategy. It used to be just get the ball over the net, just get the ball over the net. And that's still obviously uh, the goal, but if you hit the ball too high, someone's going to pop it right back at you and get a body shot. If you like get it a little bit over the net, it's good. If you hit it back hard, it's coming back at you hard. Like it is a game of strategy. And so not only is it good for my body, but it's great for my brain. And so mm-hmm. that's why I was like, Elise, you have to play with us. It'll be so fun. Yeah. We Carl, Carl played with us also. It was Andrew, Callie, Carl, and I, and Carl was very competitive. <laughs> Carl at one point, like missed a shot and goes, you stupid dummy, dumbass, Carl. And I was like in the corner, just like dying. No, Carl, Carl literally verbally abuses himself on the daily, which is, I mean, fine, whatever, do it, do your thing. But, uh, we, we, the second we left, we got on Amazon, we bought pickleball balls. We bought the pickleball paddles and then we played with our neighbors like the next weekend. So we're getting into it and it's exciting. Good, good. Yeah. We basically started a league in West Hollywood it's gotten out of hand. I've played probably 10 hours this week. That's it's, insane. Yeah. It's, it's getting out of hand. I play, I play too much. Um, but I'm just so glad that you have gotten on board. So basically to say, if you're listening and you're like pickleball sounds stupid, that's fair. Uh, and if you're saying, <laughs> well, I I'm not athletic or I don't have a racket or, you know, paddle background, which I hear that a lot. It's like, well, I didn't grow up playing tennis or like racquetball or badminton or whatever racket sport there is. It does not matter. No. That, that's why I love this sport because again, it's so accessible. It's very democratic. It's just like, if you can see, then you are eligible to play like all abilities, everyone. Um, so if you live in West Hollywood, come, come join me. Cause we have fun. Um, okay. I'm going to share my sparkle and then we'll get into it. So my sparkle is that I don't have a new year's resolution because 
shockingly enough, fuck New Year's resolutions, <laughs> which is crazy coming from someone who owns a life coaching business. I get it. But every year for a while, I felt this like pressure to have a New Year's resolution. And I'm just like, I, I couldn't figure, I couldn't put my finger on why I hated it so much. It was, it was like, it feels obligatory. It feels arbitrary. It feels like all these unorganic things that I have to like randomly select a goal and then stick with it all year. It's like, well, what if I don't have one right now? And so I've seen like a wave, like a wave is starting to happen now of people being a little anti new year's resolutions. Welcome to the party. I've been here for a while. <laughs> so if you don't want to set a new year's resolution, I am your girl. That doesn't mean you don't want to get better. It doesn't mean you don't want to improve. I just feel like it's a new way to beat ourselves up. That's just my opinion on this. It's one more way to say, look at you, you failed. You set a goal and then you broke it third week of January. It's like self-improvement doesn't always have to be meeting goals. Sometimes self-improvement can be, I am worthy as is. So maybe mm -hmm. I don't need to work on myself right now. Maybe I need to learn how to accept myself. Mm-hmm. And so that's always how I get every January. I like have a big middle finger up to goal setting. I'm like, no, no, I am just going to sit in my worthiness and relax. And then maybe I'll get back into stuff in February, whatever. Yeah, I actually, I mean, I'm like down for that. I like that. I feel like all of my intent, I've, I've done more like new year's intentions and like mantra words versus like actual things that I want to accomplish. Because let me tell you for the past three years, I've literally set the intention of reading a book a month and how many years have I not done? I started a fucking book club and I know it didn't I, happen. I, okay. But I have accomplished your goal now by joining book of the month club. There's I a am. book that makes like a book club that makes me do it. I don't discuss it with anyone. I don't want to discuss it with strangers, but like it is helpful. So I'll hook you up if you want to join, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's just one more way to disappoint ourselves. And I feel like, especially if you're in the game of self-improvement, you're familiar with that feeling. Not to say if you, if you have a new year's resolution, awesome. This isn't to shame you. That's amazing. Go for it. And like, maybe you should work with a life coach in order to meet that goal. I don't know. But if you don't, and you're in this weird limbo zone and like, you're feeling a little angry and hostile like me, that's probably why I don't need someone to force me to better myself, get off yeah. my fucking back. Okay. Like I will set a goal whenever I feel like setting a goal. Thank I you. I totally agree. I also had like the majority of my clients this week be like, it's, I thought like this week has sucked. And like, I thought it was 2022. So like new year, new reset. And it's like, nothing changes, like literally just the calendar. And like, it's a different day. Like, just to, I mean, like lap, I think there were so many people that were like 2021 sucked so bad and 2020 sucked so bad that there was like all the hope in the world that like 2022 is going to start off like the best year ever. And everybody has COVID everybody's miserable. Everybody's just like, I thought it was going to be different. And I'm like, well, you thought wrong. Same old shit, different day. Here yeah. we are. Here we are. Yeah. I just like get really resistant to arbitrary things. And I can't think of anything more arbitrary than new years. I mean, like today starts a new year from last January 8th. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like every day is a new year <laughs> if you want to get technical about it. So yeah. 
Uh, yeah, not for me. So this is to all the other stubborn little mules out there. We can be stubborn and self-righteous together. Okay. Let's get on to rapid fire. So I'm just going to read these short little questions. We're going to spend as much time as we want on it. No pressure to move on quickly. We're going to absorb as much as we can. And then when we feel like we're done, we'll move on to the next one. So number one, my job is causing me so much stress that I feel nauseous when I wake up in the morning. Ooh. My boss is toxic. The working environment is too stressful. And while I like the actual content portion of my job, I don't like it enough to justify the rest. I have enough savings to last me about six months. Should I quit this job? Even though I haven't found another one. Uh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I, th- she basically answered her own question. Like finances is not an issue. Her boss sucks. The working environment sucks to the point that she's like physically ill every morning and probably crying. And so, yeah, quit the job. I think then you'll have more space and clarity in your mind to be able to actually see what else is out there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I'm so risk averse in situations like this, probably because I was raised by two accountants and my mom would always say, it's easier to get a job when you have a job. Okay. So, and she's right. I mean, it is because nowadays, I mean, well, I guess not right now. The job market is pretty much all about talent and not really the employers, which is interesting. But I mean, you know, sometimes people will raise an eyebrow about a gap on the resume or they assume too, that you were fired, which again, being fired, isn't the worst thing in the world. I'm I've been fired twice. It's, it's great. Whatever. So I, I understand, I guess what I'm saying is I get the hesitation because in my mind, I would want to set up little goals for myself. Like, okay, well, I'll put my two weeks in when I have my resume done. And when I have an idea of what I want to do next and da because six months can go by pretty quickly and job advancement in terms of like getting an interview, interview process, final rounds, background checks, it can take a little bit. So six months, you think it sounds like a long time, but it might actually not be. I think it doesn't matter though, because you're nauseous every morning. So like, you're yeah, that, like, that's like too much. Yeah, it's too much. I mean, I think what Elise said is right. Like you're, you're in trauma mode right now to where the idea of you being able to even find a new job or like get your resume down or network without like throwing up your coffee is just like not possible. Yeah. So you probably need to quit first. I just, I'm more saying like, I get it. I understand why you're in your head about this. Totally. I understand the hesitation too, but I also feel like you know, when you're in a situation where your boss sucks and you're stressed out and you're like in the trenches, you're probably burnt out. And if you're burnt out, you probably close your computer at the end of the day. And you're like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to sit in the darkness. I want to have a glass of wine. I want to take a bath. Like you're not going to have the energy to be able to be motivated and inspired to work on your resume and find new things and network with new people and be in a good mindset, mindset and headspace. And so, you know, and I also feel like, you know, yeah, six months, I feel like that can go by super quick, but also like, I think so many people, especially these last two years have gone through the ringer with like job changes and, you know, people being let go and fired and all of these things. So I don't think that 
I think before what would be like, oh, why were you unemployed for a year would not be the same response after COVID. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, that response really isn't okay, no matter what. And hopefully the tide is, is turning on this. I mean, I know in California, it's actually illegal to ask what someone made at their last job, which is really cool. And so I'm hoping that that culture continues because sometimes people just don't want to work for a year. What's it to you? They saved up enough money to go travel or to just not work. or they wanted a breather and then, okay, a year is up and they get back into the game and then they're punished for like taking care of themselves. I mean, this whole culture of you always have to be working in order to be worth something. is just bananas to me. And I don't like it, but I also have to acknowledge sometimes those are the rules that we are having to play by, which Mm -hmm. sucks. And so I think the one thing I'll say is go and see how many days of PTO you have um, Mm. saved up Mm -hmm. because if you can cash those in and maybe use those days to like polish up your resume, maybe start thinking about your next move, maybe um, send some emails and get some like coffee dates on the calendar. That makes me want to (laughs) actually crawl in my skin. But I mean, this is what works. It's so much easier to get a job through a connection than it is through like is indeed.com still a thing? I mean, it's just true. It's like so much easier when someone passes your resume along to HR. Um, so maybe try and cash in those days. If you have any left, something tells you, you probably don't have very many left. If you're waking up on the verge of throwing up every morning, but if you do please use them. uh, Well, and don't they, don't they refresh every year? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes people have different policies. Sometimes they roll over. Sometimes it's use them or lose them. It really depends mm-hmm. uh, on where you are, but just an idea. Uh, and then I think I would, when you do quit, I think I would give yourself a week to just not worry about it. And then like, and chill out and like reset your mind. And then after a week is up, here's the thing. Don't let yourself fall into that black hole of, I can sleep until as late as I want and I can do whatever I want because it sounds like the goal is to get another job. And so you don't want to let go totally of your routine. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you can take a week to just be a human piece of garbage. That's fine. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. Yeah. (laughs) My specialty. (laughs) Me. Oh, me too. It's great. So, uh, yeah. So we're both, we're both team quit even if it feels irresponsible and, uh, just give yourself a week to be a human blob and then, you know, get back yeah. into it. You know, I feel like the last thing I'll say, my final thoughts on this one, oh. um, is oh. sometimes you have to cut the cord on things and take a risk in order for you to make room for new and, you know, manifest what you like. I, I think I see the same thing with like relationships. Like it's hard to walk away from a relationship that's not healthy, but like in order to make room and set the intention for what you do want and what you do deserve, you have to walk away from what's not serving you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. Make space for new opportunity. Mm, yeah. So let's, let's chalk it up to that. Okay, cool. Have fun quitting. Go to the <laughs> boss to f- off. Yeah. <laughs> I hope your two week notice is like a zinger. You should share it with us. Okay. Uh, next. Why should I do life coaching over therapy? I'm interested in starting something, but I'm not sure which one. Why did you two decide to offer life coaching instead of therapy? That might help me figure this out. Mm, I love this question. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Well, I feel like you should go first because you started blush. 
Oh yeah. Okay. Details, details. Uh, so I started offering life coaching for a few reasons, some of them, not fun reasons and some of them super fun reasons. Uh, number one is I, I mean, honestly, I wanted to start something online because I thought it was silly that, you know, millennials move all the time and Gen Z is probably going to move around even more. And I was getting annoyed with one feeling tied down in my career to a certain location. And which was smart. Cause I moved to LA about a year and a half after I started blush. And two, I didn't want other people to be t- feeling tied down, uh, and not be able to move. Like it's annoying to find a new doctor. It's annoying to find a new dentist. It's annoying to like find your team of people every time you move. And so Mm -hmm. it was something as important as mental health. It was like, I really don't want that to be an issue, Mm -hmm. uh, for, for anyone, whenever they start this relationship, it's hard to replicate it again. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you are in it with therapist or life coach, trying to start over with someone else is not easy. It happens. I mean, coaches move on from blush and clients switch around and it's possible. I'm not saying it's not, it's just, you know, ideally you stay with someone for a while. So that was, and the thing about it is if you do online therapy back in the day, you had to be licensed in every single state. And if Mm -hmm. you weren't, you could only like, if I was in Texas at the time, I could only see clients in Texas. Mm-hmm. If I was providing therapy and I was like, well, this is inefficient. So I was like, well, I actually prefer focusing on the present in the future. And I have a more motivational, encouraging style than processing and fixing. And so my general personality kind of just aligned more with coaching, which just happens to be again, more motivational and more future oriented. Mm -hmm. Uh, even though I don't even consider myself really like goal oriented, I'm not organized enough for that. Right. So (laughs) it's just, I really like forward momentum Yeah, and coaching really favors that. So it just made sense when I was starting it. I was like, well, let's like hell with the licensure situation. I'll make it to where my coaches all have a master's in counseling. Uh, because when you go through a program like that, you are learning coaching skills. You're learning everything. It's just the difference is you spend two and a half years instead of six months. And then you can actually identify who's a right fit for hardcore therapy and who could actually be a great fit for coaching. Uh, so I, I like that my coaches all have that education. And I mean, I like that I have that education. It was, I mean, just totally amazing and really not replaceable. So, uh, that's why I did. I'd be lying if I said that we don't, and everyone doesn't blur the line sometimes between therapy and life coaching. I mean, it can be a fine line and sometimes we flirt with it, but it's pretty obvious when someone is only a therapy candidate and that's someone that needs a diagnosis. That's someone who might need medication. That's someone who is not reaching their normal level of functioning. Okay. Meaning I'm not even doing the basic things I need to do in order to have a somewhat productive life. And when I say the word productive, I mean, like get out of bed, go to work, you know, Mm -hmm. not drink on the job, not like, you know what I mean? Just be a normal functioning, uh, human contributing to society. So if you're someone that wants to focus on something that's happening in the now, or someone that has anxiety about the future and wants to have a better relationship with their future, that's coaching. If you're someone that feels like they are being tied down by their past and it's completely holding them back, that's probably more therapy. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Elise? No, I totally agree. And 
you know, I started out as a play therapist and it was just like, really, I'm so sensitive and I'm such an empath and I feel things so deeply. So like, it was really hard for me to see, even when I switched to adults after kids, like it was really hard for me to hold space for such deep, heavy conversations. And like, I am someone who has always had generalized anxiety disorder and to be sitting across like my biggest fears were my clients realities. And so it was just like really heavy a lot all the time. And I, I was actually a client of blush and I think that that is where I got my first and I was in grad school to be a therapist. So I, I knew that I was in the right, like realm and field, but you know, my opinion on life coaching is like your rela- the relationship in any sort of mental health process is the biggest part of it, the foundation of the work that you do. And in therapy, you do have a lot of laws and ethical regulations and limitations that really feeds into this power dynamic or like authority dynamic between like the therapist and the client, which is there for a reason, right? Those things are in place for a reason. Um, That's the field that it's in. That's the realm that it's in. I'm glad that it's there. But in life coaching, you know, my clients are very much a part of my life. I, you know, it doesn't feel like there's this power dynamic. It doesn't feel like, you know, the relationship is, could be hindered in any way because, nothing's really off limits, you know, like you, you don't have to avoid self-disclosure. I can be wholeheartedly authentically myself and, you know, that's great. There's just a lot, I mean, there's a lot of spillover and a lot of overlap because you're both working on, you know, self-development and healing and all of these things. But I definitely feel like my personality is way more aligned with life coaching. Um, and that's the thing too. I think, you know, like for me, life coaching doesn't feel like work therapy felt like I was going to work every day and I was coming home fucking exhausted. Like with life coaching, I like get to talk to my friends all day. Like that's really like what it feels like. Like I basically get to be a cheerleader and like encourage my friends all day. And it's so cool to see them like, you know, these things that maybe they told themselves they were never going to be able to do or, you know, and then they are just flowing through all of these challenges and obstacles that they experience in life. So it's, I don't know, it's really cool. But I think if I would, I think that also a lot of people have a life coach and a therapist, like there's definitely, you don't have to choose one or the other. Like you might be a candidate for both for sure. Um, and not something that any one of our life coaches would be able to talk you through. Like Callie said, we all have that experience and that background in the therapy world, which is awesome. A lot of life coaching companies, like I'm just gonna brag on us for a second. A lot of life coaching companies don't have that. And I think that that's really important because I remember one of my very first clients was like, you know, we were working together and then some stuff came up from the past, past trauma. And it was like, okay, we're not, this is, this is like beyond our scope in life coaching. And she needed the support that she got through therapy. But I feel like there's probably so many people out there 
you know, maybe working with people, working with professionals and they might not be in the right spot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely not. Everyone is equipped to handle everything. We can't be everything for everyone. And so if you're looking for more of a pressures off kind of casual, positive environment, that's typically more life coaching. And at least that's, that's more blush. I can't speak to all life coaches. You're yeah. going to find those Tony Robbins. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not awake. You're asleep. Rah! <laughs> like energy. And like, that's not me. I just like told new year's resolutions to go fuck itself at the beginning yeah. of this episode. So clearly that's not my style. Um, I, you know, I'm more, if I was going to give an analogy to another, uh, group of, of professionals, you'll see a bunch of dietitians and nutritionists. And some of them are like, I would never eat this. I would never eat this. And some of them are like, I just ate microwave popcorn for dinner last night. And like, it's fine. And like, I feel like we align more with the, like, it's fine. Like, you know, this is life. We're not trying to be perfect here. Everyone makes mistakes, but we're trying to get to the meat and potatoes of it. Yeah. While, you know, validating and I don't know, aligning with you on the messy parts of life, not trying to hold ourselves out as perfect humans who have it all together either. And so, um, it's just a lot more collaborative, which is what I like. So hopefully that gives you a sense. Uh, I don't, I don't know if that's helpful. I think, I think we did a good job of explaining yeah. it. And also if you still have questions, we do those 15 minute free consultations. So like you could literally meet with any of our coaches and ask all the questions. Like exp- I think, you know, obviously this is going to be an individualized answer depending on the person seeking out services. So try to do one of those and, you know, talk about your situation and your goals and what you want to get out of life coaching or therapy, and then they can direct you more. Yep. Boom. Who next? When is the right time to get married? Mm-hmm. I've been with my partner for about three years. We both have stable jobs and are thinking about buying a house together. Neither of us are in a rush, but I know I'd like to make it official at some point. How do you decide when to pull the trigger? This will be interesting because I feel like you and I both had very different like steps before marriage. Cause you and Andrew were together for a long time, right? Before you guys, like you were basically already like married in your mind before you got married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'd been together for five years. Yeah. No, Carl and I literally like moved in together two weeks after we met each other and got engaged like four months after, which I mean, yeah, it worked out. Thank God. But I do think that that's probably like, I, if I, would give advice to everybody, it would be to like wait longer and just like make sure that, you know, you're aligned and you're on the same page. And, you know, cause I know plenty of people who have done the same, like Carl and I did, and they're getting divorced, you know, but it sounds like, <laughs> sounds like this, this, row, row. Womp, sounds womp. Like this person, you know, you guys have been together for what the, what'd she say? Three years. Yeah. Three years. I don't, I don't necessarily think that I think I am getting a lot of like fixed mindset vibes from this question. Like, I think a lot of people feel like there's a right or a wrong way in life. And I don't think that that's true. What worked for Callie worked for Callie. What worked for me worked for me. Like, I don't think that you can, it's not like a one size fits all for your relationship. So Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, I think maybe I can relate to this one a little bit more though. Cause you did things. I would actually say the normal way you got married because you fell in love and that was your trigger was mm-hmm. falling in love. And so at four months you were like, we're obsessed with each other. We're going to get engaged. Andrew and I also had that same whirlwind momentum. It was like, we, you know, our first date was literally an overnight at the Sundance film festival. And just, we didn't spend a night apart from there until I remember it was like a year down the road and my mom came in town and I like stayed in her hotel room. And he was like, we've spent every night together for a year. And I'm like, yeah. So like, you're going to be fine. You know, like, is okay. So it was, it was just as intense, but our, we wanted to start over and we wanted, you know, so we moved obviously to LA. He started over an entire career. I was starting blush. And so what I realized is we could have also right run down the aisle and gotten married, but it's interesting. I realized that to me, getting married, wasn't about being in love. Had nothing to do with it. Being married to me meant I have arrived as a full fledged, confident, fiscally responsible adult. And I feel like I've got both feet on the ground. And we did not feel like we had both feet on the ground for our first, I mean, gosh, three years together. Year four, we were like, ah, do we got this? I think we got this. I think, do you got this? I might got this. And that's when we got engaged, but it was still like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And so I had this idea and we didn't even make it that far because I also kind of wanted to like own property or like maybe have blush feel a little more secure or something. And, you know, by the time we got married and, um, at some point I was like, this is stupid. You know, this is just like a checklist and like, this is dumb, but it's true that if you fall in love and don't use that momentum to get engaged, people wait for a trigger. People wait Mm. for something else. And so sometimes it's buying a house together. Like I think thinking about buying a house together. I mean, honestly, I'm just going to put it out there. If you're buying a house together and you're not getting married right now, legally, that can be a little messy. So just be aware of that because if both of your names are on the title, good, at least you're both like invested in this. But if one of your names is on it, you're not buying a house together. Yeah. They're buying a house. (laughs) (laughs) and you're moving in or you're buying a house and they're moving in. Mm -hmm. So my challenge to you is to think about what marriage means to you. It's a, I I don't find it. Well, maybe I find it weird, but I don't find it bad that in my mind, marriage had nothing to do with love. I was already, as Elise kind of alluded to, I already felt like I was emotionally married when we moved to LA, which was about a year and a half of us being together, I think, or maybe like a year. I don't totally remember. Uh, and so then it, I did have that question of like, okay, well, what, what is it going to take for us to get married? How do I know it's the right time? And I had to really do some reflection of like, well, what does it mean to me? Mm-hmm. And what does it mean to him? So that's what I would challenge you to, cause I, I don't think, you know, the answer to that yet. Yeah. Uh, especially if it's not buying property together, then what is it? Your jobs are stable. It seems like you're checking all the boxes. So what box isn't checked? Ooh, Uh, asking like more so focusing on, is it just that you don't have that trigger yet? Or is it that you have hesitation? Yeah. And I mean, it seems like this person doesn't have hesitation, I would say, but it, I, I, I'm not sure, not necessarily about what box isn't being checked by that other person, but what box have you not checked personally for yourself or what box is the relationship 
not checked, uh, personally, you know, I have friends in, uh, LA who, uh, you know, we have a lot of queer friends and some of them are in long-term relationships and want to get engaged. And then it turns out someone hasn't come out to their entire family yet. And it's mm. like, oh, well, all of a sudden plans change. We don't really want to get engaged. If you haven't told, you know, your bubby that, you know, you're a lesbian. So, <laughs> so it, it, but you know, that's more what I'm talking about. How have you met all your personal goals that you have in your head that you wanted to achieve? I guess before you got married, has your relationship met those goals? And if so, then are what are you doing? Like as Elise said, do you have a fixed mindset here? Are you just do you want everything to be perfect? Like, yeah. Ask yourself, what are you waiting for? And I think yeah. you'll get more insight. Mm, love it. Yeah. Anything to add? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. You really got engaged after four months. Yeah. I'm shook that my dad even allowed that or my parents because, well, my, my, what were they going to do? Be like, no. Well, Carl, well, Carl had bought the ring and he was planning on doing it like in three months. But I, for anybody who knows me, I am like basically FBI. Like I, if you try to have a surprise for me, like I will get it out of you. Like I've not, there's only one time that I've ever been surprised. And it was when Carl proposed to me. And so that's what my mom, he like showed my mom the ring. And my mom was like, look, like if you keep this in your pocket and you start, you know, like she's, she's going to smell it on you and she's going to seek it out and it's not going to be a surprise. And we were going to Jackson hole that weekend and literally leaving later that day. And my mom was like, just do it this weekend. And so Carl had to run downstairs while I was still sleeping and ask my dad, which my dad is a very intimidating, like non-emotional person, like very business oriented. And Carl asked him like in such a sweet, nice, kind way. And all my dad said back was like, no take backs. Like she is yours. And <laughs> you're like, there she is. No take backs. And hot potato. Like, yeah. Hot potato, hot potato, hot potato. Oh my God. Carl was like, okay, cool. Thanks, Jay. I think my dad said something like, you know, you don't have to do this, right? Aww. And Andrew was like, yeah, but like, I want to. He's like, Okay, but like, you know, I raised my daughter to make your own damn decision. So it's sweet that you're doing this, but uh, you don't need my permission. Like, she'll tell you either way what what she wants. So I feel silly. Uh, Okay, let's move on. This will probably be our last one, right? Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Feel like I've lost myself. I think they meant I feel, right? I feel like I've lost myself since COVID. Yeah. I'm too scared to travel and spend time with friends and I've lost touch with myself and what brings me joy. How do I navigate feeling isolated and lonely? Play pickleball. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Get out there, get some pickleball paddles and go make some friends. It is a very COVID friendly thing though because you're outside and like you don't really play you don't like get up in each other's faces uh yeah I mean I think a lot of people feel like this I mean the first thing I'm gonna say I hope this doesn't rub anyone the wrong way it shouldn't but like get vaccinated and get boosted because that's the best way to ensure that you're not gonna get it when you travel or when you spend time with friends and I know that that doesn't completely prevent people from getting it there are breakthrough cases 
but if you can, and that's the thing, if you can, I understand that there are people that cannot get vaccinated, but if you can, you should, so that you can limit, you know, the spreading it, limit getting it. If you get it, it looks like the infections are a lot milder. So, I mean, that's the first thing obviously you can do. I know that's not really what you're asking us, but I feel stupid not saying it. Um, so there's that. Uh, and that should be, you know, that should help you kind of re-enter the world. If you will, if you're in a position to where you can't, or you're still nervous, I understand, but I think you're also going to have to accept that a lot of people are going to start re-emerging mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. vaccinations and, you know, I'm, I call myself vaxxed and duns, meaning, um, I'm vaccinated and I'm fucking done. I've done everything I can do. <laughs> I've done what I can do. I've done it. Okay. And I, I, I'm here. Like I need to get back into the world, right? Yeah. I need to get back into the swing of things. Cause this past two years have been really, really tough. So, I mean, I think, well, let's see here. I've also told myself what brings me joy. This sounds like depression. Yeah, that's what I was going to say too. Like, and I feel like, you know, I think COVID and the pandemic and isolation and just like, I mean, it really flipped the world upside down. It flipped all of our lives upside down. There's a lot of fear. And so, you know, I think anything that you can implement into your life, it's going to bring you a level of safety or feel you know, like you're taking control of your own health, then I think you should do that for sure. But also like the mundane gets really depressing. You know, if you're waking up, you're not getting out of your PJ, you know, like you're just doing the same thing every single day. And then you lose the motivation and you lose creativity and you lose your inspiration because for a lot of people, like I'm inspired by conversation, by interacting with other people. And so when I don't have that, as much, I can totally get into a funk where I'm like, what is the point? You know, like, mm-hmm. and I, it gets really sad and lonely. And like Callie said, you know, people are getting to their threshold of being just like, fuck this. I'm, I've done all that I can do. Mm-hmm. If I get it, you know, like what I've done it all. And yeah. so I cannot not live my life anymore. And so if you're not at that place, but everybody else in your life is, you're gonna feel alone and isolated and like, you're missing out, you know? Yeah. And I, I think I just, have to comment this. Um, obviously COVID has been a bitch and I'm not trying to say that if you felt the effects, then this applies to you, but human beings have incredible masking abilities. And what I mean by that is our coping techniques are incredible. Meaning we can distract ourselves out of thinking that we have something else wrong with us to a great extent. And when COVID happened, all of our masks came down, which is funny because they actually went up, but you know what I mean? Our metaphorical masks came off and literal masks went on. And so our, a lot of our coping strategies went out the door and then we were left with, you know, the, the reality of, oh God, do I have depression? Like, do I have anxiety? Do I have these Mm -hmm. mental health things that I haven't been addressing because I've been able to just keep myself busy and distracted Mm -hmm. and just go, 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 go. And so I think it's a chicken and the egg thing. I think some people definitely developed, you know, symptoms of depression and anxiety because the world was crashing around them. But I think a lot of other people had underlying depression and anxiety and then couldn't go out and just distract themselves out of it anymore. And then they were forced to sit with it. And so 
I, I don't, this isn't enough sentences or details to tell you which one you fall under. I will say that these, what, one, two, three sentences scream depression. And so you're the only one who can tell us, did you have this sense of dread and hopelessness before, and you just found your way out of it, meaning go, 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 go helped you not really have to acknowledge it. Um, or is this completely foreign to you and you've never felt this way before and you're completely confused and not sure where to go from here. I, I think it does make a difference to know which one is which, because one of them was triggered by a situation that God better fucking end. <laughs> it better end. And so one of them is going to take care of itself in a sense. The other one won't. The other one, if you've had these things before, you're just going to go back to your old coping techniques and something else is going to trip you up. And we've talked about this on this podcast. COVID is not the only bad thing that's going to happen in everyone's life. COVID is just unique because it happened to everyone at the same time. Yeah. And so, you know, even if you don't have a family member or even if yourself weren't super affected and, you know, had to go to the hospital and I mean, just horrible things everyone was impacted by COVID in some way, whether it was your job or your social life, or I don't know. I mean, gosh, it's crazy reading about all these women whose fertility journeys are put on hold because mm -hmm. of COVID because they're canceling elective surgeries and elective procedures, which fertility is considered elective. Yeah. That was me last year. Crazy. I mean, that's devastating. Obviously, you know, of course you're not on a ventilator and a family member's not on a ventilator. So I'm not trying to say it's, you know, the same thing here, but right. everyone has been impacted in some way or another. And so you will be impacted by something again in the future. And so the question is, are you going to have the same, you know, result when that happens, which is feeling depressed. And if that the answer is yes, then this is the time to address it now that means that you probably have cyclical depression because depression goes away and comes back on its own. I don't know if everyone knows that. Isn't that crazy? You can just like not medicate yourself. Dangerous, super dangerous. Okay. Don't do that. Um, but it, so a lot of times it lifts on its own, mm -hmm. but it'll come back. It's mm -hmm. a boomerang. So I would, I would, I think if I were you, I would try and take COVID out of the equation and not blame it on COVID and see how that feels. Because mm -hmm. if you do that, I think it'll be a lot easier to tackle what's really going on and build better coping mechanisms for the future. Yeah, that's awesome. I was going to ask you, because I mean, all of the statistics say that like depression and anxiety like rates are through the roof. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to ask you if you thought that it was an increase like in situational anxiety and depression, or if it was exactly what you said of like, people just can't cope in hyper productivity and distraction and going out and traveling and having fun and putting band-aids on the situation. Um, but maybe it's both, you know, I think it's like, both. yeah, I think it's both. I mean, I think there are a lot of well-adjusted happy individuals who had their great, because life is stressful. We all need coping mechanisms. Okay. I'm not trying to say if you're, if you go to the gym after a bad day, you're depressed and anxious. It's like, no, that's a good thing. Like that's what you're supposed to do. Or you're supposed to call your family member or you're supposed to plan a vacation when you're burned out. Like these are not unhealthy coping mechanisms. It's just when they're all taken away from us. So it's like, that could be the trigger. But I still think there are people who have had underlying currents of this. 
totally. And then all of a sudden, when all of your coping mechanisms are taken away, it's like, oh shit, I can't deny this anymore. You know, because situational depression and anxiety are different. Yep. Than chronic. I mean, they're yeah. just different. So, uh, I mean, we're not going to spend forever to get into like what the difference is, but I think you can kind of figure that out on your own. Yeah. I would also recommend this person go talk to someone because, oh, yeah. and, and probably I would start with a therapist in this situation. I think that not only can that bring a connection for you, like a human connection, but you're also going to feel super validated and like what you're going through is normal. And I think that that, you know, in and of itself will bring you some peace and clarity, just being able to talk about the tornado that is in your life right now, you know? Mm -hmm. I agree. And then I think I would probably push you maybe don't, you know, traveling's big. I'll respect that. But spending time with friends, like you can do that now. Yeah. You can, uh, you might want to set boundaries though. You might not want to go to like a Rams game. Yeah. All right. That that's okay. You might not want to go to a concert. Totally understandable. Uh, but going to a park and or going on know, a walk, going on a walk or even, and you can even keep your mask on. I mean, I'm to the point where I don't wear my mask outdoors anymore. I'm like, mm, no, but, and you can come for me about that decision, but I'm sorry. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> I am boosted and I already had COVID and I need to live my life. But you know, I live in a building with older people and I'm sure we have immunocompromised people in the building. So I wear my mask inside in our building because I want to be respectful of the little ladies who are very sweet and don't want to die from COVID. So in that situation, yes. But I'm saying like, feel free to set boundaries for yourself that you need that are going to make you feel safe, but it might be time to at least try to re-engage in some of the things that you know helped before COVID, whether like Elise said, that's a walk or a pickleball or, you know, going to someone's backyard and changing it up. Like I, I mentioned the mundane earlier, but I think like, again, when you're doing the same thing over and over and over again, and every day is the same and you know, that can bring on depression in and of itself and get really boring. And so like, try to get out of your comfort zone. That's my, like, that's my intention for this year is just getting out of my comfort zone because you feel safe and cozy and warm in your comfort zone. And Mm -hmm. I think just switching it up and do something, doing something out of the ordinary is going to be good for this person. But just know that one of the biggest indicators of depression is losing joy and things that used to bring you joy. That is like the top, top, top indicator that you are depressed. So If you are not feeling joy from anything that you're doing, I think maybe let yourself off the hook, meaning this is a neurotransmitter situation, which is fine. Sometimes our neurotransmitters are little bitches and like, don't know how to operate. And that's okay. Just a brain thing. Like you can't will yourself to feel better. Sometimes if it's chemical, then let it be chemical. And there's no shame in going to a doctor and explaining what's happening. And, you know, preferably a psychiatrist, I'm just, you know, that's how I feel. And get on a low dose of whatever you need to be on to get your neurotransmitters back in formation Listen, and try it again. That Prozac train is a good train. I need to get, I need to get on something else. Cause it did not like my migraine medicine, but the way that I describe it to my clients is like when you're take when it's a chemical imbalance and you actually take the medication that you need to balance everything out, it was like someone went into my brain and just like cleared out like 60%. And there was so much more room for me to like 
think happy things or just like not be stressed or not be depressed and have intrusive thoughts. It was, it's the most bizarre thing to explain, but it was just like someone did a cleanup in my brain and in my thoughts. And it was like, so, so great. Yeah. I mean, like we don't judge people who like get casts on their legs. Like if you break your leg, you get a cast and then everyone signs it and you're cool and you get a cool color and you're like the cool kid in school. I mean, it's the same shit. Like you're not going to be, I mean, you might be, and that's fine. You can be on Prozac or anti-anxiety meds for as long as you freaking want. But a lot of times people get on it for a six month year long period, just to get them through that tough time, get everything restructured. They wean themselves off with a doctor and then they're good. And we healed and let's go again. And then, as I said, I said, depression can be cyclical. So maybe you'll get back on it in five years. But anyway, point is, is that it's easy to blame everything on COVID because she's a bitch, (laughs) she's a bitch, but sometimes taking COVID out of the situation and seeing, well, if COVID didn't exist and I had the opportunity to do all these things, would I feel better? Yep. I think that's a great clarifying question. The answer might still be no. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's when, you know, all right, it's, it's off to some uh, bigger steps to take in order to feel like myself again. So just, uh, yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Same. I love it. Those are my thoughts on that. Okay, cool. So this is fun. Yeah, we're good. We've got more. We have like, well, let me see. Well, I don't have it in front of me, but we have like, I don't know, four or five, maybe even six more of these. So we'll definitely do another episode. If you liked this, let us know, please. Or if you're like, no, this is too much. I want one central letter that you guys focus on that whole time. That's fine too. Uh, Just share your feedback, rate us in the app store as well. Give us some love. We are not above compliments that include five stars. We'll take them. And then as Elise mentioned earlier, if you want a free consult with a life coach, uh, you can get one. How are you going to get one? You are going to get one by getting on our mailing list, or you can go on our live chat and ask for the link. Uh, there's plenty of ways. Oh, you know what? Follow us on Instagram. The link's there. Yeah. And we, got two new coaches, which is, I like, we can't forget about that. We have two new coaches. We brought two badass ladies, Tina and Fia on the team. And they are so fucking cool. We will absolutely have them as guests on the podcast. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned for that. And then we're running a promo. Does it end today? Yeah, it's over. Snooze you lose. Snooze you lose. Okay. Well, didn't get that promo, but you can still get 25% off your first month uh, with promo code bless you all caps. That one's still good. That yes. one's going to be here for a long time. Uh, so yeah, if you want to jump in and start working with the life coach, especially if question number two resonated with you, uh, yeah. then jump on board and maybe you'll get matched with Tina or Fia, which would be really exciting for you because they're so great. So we will, yeah, we'll see y'all next time. Bye. Bye.